Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Now, if you've ever seen Mission Impossible, anyone seen Mission Impossible? Yes, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible is about an American uh, secret agent named Ethan Hunt who is tasked with doing the impossible mission to save the world, hence Mission Impossible. And whenever he gets a, a, a new impossible mission, the person giving this mission says the following, your mission, should you what? Choose to accept it, right? And then they tell the mission. And then they say, as, fo- as always, should you or any of your IM forces be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Pretty encouraging, right? Yes. Uh, let's get a name. No, I'm just joking. Um, And then it says the disc will self-destruct in how many seconds? Five seconds. Then someone, you know, something blows up right on screen. It goes crazy. And then the really cool music starts, right? Some of you are like, that's Mission Impossible, right? And it it pumps you up so much that you actually want to be a secret agent yourself. Am I right? Yes, right? I remember I would, I would do that as a kid. I'd watch Mission Impossible, and then I'd try to be uh, a secret agent, and usually what ended up happening is uh, my brothers would just beat me up, and it didn't go over well. Uh, um, but uh, uh, Mission Impossible, there's something, something really cool about that. And, and if you're in the, the room today, uh, if you've accepted Jesus in your life or you've said yes to him, you have accepted the mission he has given each and every one of us, which is go into the world and make disciples. Go into the world and tell people about Jesus. Tell them the good news. But unlike the movie, there's no explosions, right? You don't make that decision and then suddenly right behind you, like there's fireworks and everything. There's no cool music, right? Well, maybe there is actually. Didn't the band do a great job today? Yeah, right? So there is cool music. Um, And there's no necessarily secret gadgets that help you to complete the mission. Uh, But I'll tell you what sometimes it does feel like. It it does feel like the mission is impossible. Uh, That commission that we get to go out and tell people about Jesus, sometimes it really does feel impossible. But when we look at the life of Jesus, and and even if we look at the last 50 years as, as a church, one thing that you do see is a legacy of mission that is not impossible but rather very possible. We've seen it as a result of growth. We started out as one church and we needed to get a new building and another. And then suddenly we started adding campuses in different locations. And things seemed possible because of what was going on, because of the faithfulness of the individuals listening to the heart of God. So today I actually want to focus uh, on what we can learn about missions from Jesus and the church and how we can maybe implement these things as a, as a church in our lives so that we can leave a legacy of mission 
just like Jesus did for the next 50 years at Portico. So if you got your Bibles, open to John 4. John 4, John 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. This is uh, a story about Jesus talking to uh, a Samaritan woman. Here's what he has to say. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that, there was, uh, that, that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he, he came to a town in Samar- Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus... Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and a well that is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this living water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will continue in them, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands. And the man now that that you're with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. Woman Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seek. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. The Bible actually goes on to tell us that uh, the disciples come up and they see him and they're just shocked that he'd be talking to this woman But this woman ends up leaving and she ends up going to her village and telling people about this encounter she had with Jesus, this Messiah. And the Bible actually tells us that everyone in the village ends up giving their lives to Jesus. 
And it makes you ask the question, what do we learn about missions when it comes to Jesus? What do we learn? Well, the first thing we learn is the importance of living purposely. Living purposely. John 4, 4 says that he had to go to Samaria. But if you look at a map, and I believe we do have a map, if you look at the map, he actually didn't have to. The one in red is where he could have gone, right? Uh, Or the way he did go. The one in green is where he could have gone. But the Bible actually says he goes to the one in blue, right? He could have gone to the one in blue too, to totally avoid it. But he ends up not doing that. Instead, he goes through Samaria because the Bible says he had to. He had to do it. You know, the Jews despised the Samaritans and the Samaritans despised the Jews for so long that they would actually go out of their way to avoid each other at all costs. How often do you and I go out of our way to avoid people? How often? Maybe you've got that chatty neighbor that doesn't get social cues, right? When you're carrying all those groceries and it's like, my hands are really tired and you keep talking to me, right? Right? Or maybe I, I, don't, I don't really care about your daisies. I just want to get inside. So what do you do? Because you've got that chatty neighbor, you take another lap around the block, right? Hoping that maybe they're gone by then. Am I the only one that's guilty of this? You're looking at me like, terrible pastor. Oh, my goodness, right? If any of my neighbors are listening to this, I'm not telling the truth. I'm just, uh, <laughs> um, right? How many times do we go out of our way to avoid people? Uh, maybe for you, it's not that neighbor. Maybe it's that person that you're walking toward, towards down the street, right? And you see them, and what do you do? You jaywalk, right? So that you won't bump into them. Right? Some of you are like, I did that the other day. Guilty, pastor, right? Uh, maybe for you, it wasn't jaywalking. Maybe you did the famous, oh, look, right? So they can't see the back of your head, right? You're, or you put your you know, head down in your phone and you just keep walking. Maybe you do that to avoid people, right? Maybe you even call ahead. You call ahead when there's a party and going, hey, is so-and-so there, right? Or the, the nice way of doing it is, hey, who's coming to the party, right? Maybe you do that to avoid people. And we do these things for a number of reasons, right? I sense the judgmental eyes. Stop it, okay? <clears throat> we do these for a number of reasons, though. We do it because we can be tired, busy, Maybe we're not in the mood. Maybe we simply just don't like someone, right? And that's hard to admit. Um, There's all these different reasons, but life isn't always about what you feel like doing, right? It's about what's right. These are lessons that we actually teach our kids, right? And then it usually follows up with, you know, do what I say, not what I I do, right? But we teach our kids these lessons that it's not always about what what we feel, it's about what's right. And Jesus, knowing that there were other roads that he could have taken to Galilee, could have gone another way to avoid Samaria altogether. But instead, the Bible says that he chooses this route specifically. And it's simply put, it's because he knew his calling. 
He knew people needed him, and so he refused to avoid them because he knew that when you live for yourself, it takes you away from the mission of God. When we live for ourselves, it takes us away from the mission that God has called us to. Right? That's why you have a lot of people that are dealing with seclusion and loneliness, right? Because you just invest into yourself, only invest into yourself, and it pushes you away from everyone else, and it especially puts you away from the mission of God. And the mission of God is, has always been people. It's always been about people. It's always about helping people find their way back to God. And honestly, as a church, it would be easy for us to, to be a part of a church that would do programs, that would have buildings, that would have, uh, you know, doing stuff throughout the week that would be church-like or churchy, right? Um, but that's not what we're called to necessarily be like. We're supposed to be like Jesus. We want to be a church that is constantly on mission, not avoiding people, but willing to sacrifice for people. That's the mission. That's what Jesus did. And they do it so that they could know that people, our neighbors, those that maybe we want to avoid, would know how much Jesus loves them. Um, as you know, and we've talked about a lot, um, with 50 years as a church. Um, what's interesting about our church was when it started, about 15 years after it started, a, a pastor by the name of Ken Birch came and, and he actually told the congregation that he wanted to do another church plant. And there was a, a still a big mortgage on the church. A lot was going on at the time, but they decided to raise money to plant another church that we actually know as Heartland. Um, and so here's an interesting video for you. Watch this. Hi, Portugal. Welcome to Dave and Ruth Crosshall. We're here together at the campus pastor to ask them a couple of questions as we're talking about our This Is Us Part of Grace Celebration particularly our legacy of mission. Dave and Ruth represent some of the best of our church when it comes to people who are willing to sacrifice and give up to see the mission of Christ fulfilled. So we have a few questions we're going to ask them. We invite you to join us as we listen in on part of our mission. Dave and Ruth, thank you for taking a few minutes to talk to us this afternoon. Uh, when I was doing the research for our 50th anniversary, one of the things I came across back in NBC when they built the as they were moving through that era, there was a vision to participate in a church plant opportunity. And I believe it was called Central Pentecostal Church. And joining were some of the names that came up as a family that chose to get involved and participate. So that was a huge risk and commitment. I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. So when that happened, what that was like, what the family was doing at the time. Okay, at that time we had been at uh, NBC
but the minutes over there and the, and the large church was the MVP. So everything was very um, programmed and lots to do and lots of involvement to a little church there. There was only one other family that went with us when we went. So how many, would, how many people total on the first Sunday or the first couple of Sundays when you guys got there? Well, there was, there was more than four, let's put it that way. But, <laughs> but uh, after several weeks, it, it, it came down to about 20 people. Okay. And, uh, you know, the first few weeks, there was a few extra people who came to see what it was all about. And some stayed, some didn't. And, uh, but after about four or five weeks, it, it, it ended up to be 20. So this is huge because the church... No, it wasn't huge. I don't know if you noticed, but I made a cameo in the corner. They, uh, they had to remove my question. Um, but because they're not here, I'm going to tell you what my question was. Uh, I basically said, you know, now that uh, uh, Dave and Ruth, now that you've been uh, 
um, at, uh, at the campus here in Milton. You've actually had the privilege of, of being with three different pastors. And so I said, at what point did you realize that I was your favorite? And um, that got cut. Um, but uh, no, it was good. It was good. And just for clarification's sake, uh, when we talk about the white church, we talk about the color of the building, okay? Uh, just to help out a little bit, okay? Just to bring a little clarity. But, uh, you know, the truth is, is, is we actually have a lot of, um, of gratefulness to give them, a lot of thankfulness for their devotion, their commit to serving. So why don't we just thank them again, yeah. You know, the, the truth is, is that choosing the route with the greatest need usually requires a greater cost, you saw that they brought their families, right? They, they made that decision for two years and ended up being seven. But often it leads to the greatest impact. And we see a, a healthy, vibrant church happening right now in Heartland. And, and not just there, but it was people like the Crofts um, who lived life purposely, who invested in. And as a result, we, we see these different campuses that are coming up at, at Portico and, and around our community. It's the church coming together, living purposely, remembering the mission of God and sharing the good news wherever they go. And, and if we go back to our story, looking in John chapter 4, if you want to look in your Bibles or your Bible apps, it also shows us, we see another thing of importance when it comes to the legacy of mission is from Jesus, what we see is that it was important for him to love unconditionally. If we want to leave a legacy of mission, it's loving unconditionally. It, it's something we see Jesus do interacting with the woman in the well. The Bible actually tells us in, in verse 9, the woman was actually shocked saying, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And when we actually dive into what's going on in this moment, when we look at the story, there's a few things that actually stand out. The Bible says that she was alone at noon. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Israel, but it's getting up 40 plus. Like it gets so hot that no Under Armour outfit that you wear, no golf shirt like this will do any good. It's boiling hot. Usually you would go uh, normally in the morning time to get water, in, in the coolness of the morning. But the Bible says that she was alone and she went at noon. What does that tell us? It means she was an outcast. Maybe it was the way that she lived her life, the fact that she, you know, had five husbands and was living with someone else. We don't, we don't know. But what we do know is she was most likely an outcast in the village. But the Bible also tells us something incredible. It, it, it says that, that Jesus went up and initiated the conversation with her. You need to understand that culturally, this was a huge no-no. Talking to a Samaritan was wrong. Talking to a woman for an extended period of time that wasn't related to you was even worse. But talking to a Samaritan who's a woman was the biggest no-no at all. And then to top that off, Jesus asks her, this unclean person, as tradition would have it, for water. Like that's the biggest no-no you can find, right? Do you remember when your kids were younger and they would reach down to pick up some like dirt and put it in their mouth and eat it? And you're like, no, 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 right? 
Like her asking for this, this unclean person, this tradition would have it between the, the tension between the, the Jews and, and the Samaritan woman. This was terrible for Jesus to do this at the moment. And we find out that he's the one that initiated it. So you can imagine the shock of the disciples when they would see Jesus talking to her. But Jesus didn't care. He didn't care at all. He was willing to reach through, through racial, cultural, moral, and gender boundaries that society impo- imposed on people, all for the sake of loving those who needed it most. And why is that? It's because the good news is not just good for you and I. It's good for everyone. It's good for everyone. It doesn't make it easy. In fact, I find those who need love often make it difficult for you to love them. But unconditional love works hard to make sure everyone knows that they are loved, which is why we do a lot of uh, outings, a lot of things in community. I believe we've got a, a picture. There's some things that we do. We do regenerate. We do Cornerstone, Open Door, Global 180. Brooker, where are you at? Global 180, yeah. Involved in Global 180, dealing with uh, uh, junior highs in, high, uh, and in uh, middle school and connecting with them. High school as well. Yeah, high school as well, right? Just being whatever you can can in the community, being an outreach to them. We do uh, tons of stuff like bread and honey. Anyone go to bread and honey? Yeah. I honestly believe that bread and honey festival was created because they're like, well, Burlington has rib fest. You know, these Winona has peach festivals. What do we have? I think we have honey and bread. Okay. Let's just slap it together and make something happen. Right. And call it a festival. Um, but, uh, so all these events that we're a part of, and, and it's awesome. If you look at the bottom uh, left corner, and uh, actually the bottom two, we've got people that were in uh, restricted access nations that were under persecution, and we're actually potentially looking at the death penalty. And we as a church were able to uh, convince the government to bring them over, and we sponsored them. And now these families, especially uh, Obaid and Toronto on the left, they're actually going all through throughout Canada sharing the good news. It's amazing what's happening as a result of investing in and loving unconditionally and and following through on the, the mission that God has called us to. We see this happening in incredible ways. And it can actually happen through your service, your act of love and kindness in our community too. I don't want to be here and talk to the same people every week. I love you. But more than you, people need to know Jesus as well. You know what I mean? Like I know that I've got a nice face with a receding hairline, but you probably want to see more people than just me. And it comes from unconditional love. Finally, when it comes to leaving a legacy of mission, Jesus teaches us the importance of leading intentionally. We need to lead intentionally, the willingness to have intentional conversations about faith. When we look back at our our story, the Bible says in, in verse 21 that Jesus didn't condemn the woman. He didn't rush to tear her down or to set her straight, but rather he did whatever it would take to lead her to faith because Jesus knew that her pursuit of happiness had led her to loneliness. You know, the American dream is a pursuit of happiness, but why is it we see all these people that have 
made their millions, who have made their fortunes, who have gotten everything that they want, still find loneliness. I remember there was a famous football player who he had just won the Super Bowl. He had everything he wanted. He had millions of dollars. And after the Super Bowl, he was alone in his bedroom in the hotel, just him. And he found himself weeping constantly, and he didn't know why. He was like, I finally got everything that I've wanted. I have my millions. I have, I have my, my um, Super Bowl. I should be happy. I have women. I have all these things. Why am I not happy? And so uh, he actually tells the story that he goes uh, in the middle of the night. He calls Ferrari, and he actually buys a Ferrari in that moment. Don't you wish that you could do that? right? Uh, if you feel so inclined, do that for me, okay? Um, but uh, uh, he, he tells this story that he did that. And he got off the phone after purchasing a Ferrari, and he still felt lonely. You know, the pursuit of happiness only leads to loneliness. And that's why you see Jesus was so intentional about bringing her to a place of wholeness, right? We understand as believers that it's not necessarily about happiness. It's about wholeness. It's about holiness. Those are the things that will truly end up making us happy. And so Jesus does this, but he does it in a way that's intentional. It's not forceful. It's intentional. And as a result, the Bible tells us that a chain reaction happens and the whole town comes to know Jesus, comes to faith. And that desire to help people find their way back to God hasn't changed. It's still his deepest desire for humanity. And as a result, his desire has become our mission. His desire is our mission to help people find their way back to God, to live on mission And Jesus crossed countless barriers to reach people. And leaving a legacy of mission requires that we do the same. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page. And you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC.